So there, there's no real way to completely portray MS, whether it's saying I have MS, MS will never have me, which I understand what they're going for. Like not everybody can say that. So it's really hard to encompass what MS actually is right. that gets the whole umbrella. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? Are you able to easily set goals and reach them? Or is the thought of goal setting something you cringe about when you hear it? I personally like to use the word intention. I think it's a little kinder and more forgiving. When setting your intention for the day, month, year, whatever it is, there's a structure that helps a little bit. So there's five parts here. First, make sure whatever you're intending to accomplish is specific. So using myself as an example, I tend to walk in the mornings. That's my intention. I intend to walk every morning. More specifically, I intend to walk five days a week for 1.2 miles each day. Way more specific. Number two, is the intention measurable? I would say mine is a yes. So five days, I can measure that. The third one is attainable. It takes me 30 minutes to walk the 1.2 miles with my dog, and I set that time aside every day so I know I can meet my intention. And if I miss that one day, I still have two extra days in the week to make that happen. So specific, measurable, and attainable. Number four is relevant. Does your intention hold meaning? What does it provide for you? How does it serve you? I am lazy AF. So this intention makes me get up. So yeah, it's pretty relevant to me. And lastly, number five, is it time bound? Giving yourself a week to accomplish this goal or intention helps me personally. It sets me up for success. It helps hold me accountable for it. So make sure your intention is specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. How do your goals or intentions motivate you in your life? What are they doing for you? How do they align with your core values? When you meet your intention, when you reach that goal, how will you celebrate your success? How do these past actions motivate you in future endeavors? My guest today is no slouch when it comes to setting and reaching his goals. Randy Patrick, better known to many as Must Stop MS on social media, was diagnosed with MS in November of 2012 at 30 years old. He has made it his mission to provide information, support, and community to others with MS. When newly diagnosed, he did not feel that connectivity with others and did not want us all to feel the same way. 
How does he grow his community? Well, first off, he is the host of Chat MS, which is still going strong every Monday night for the past seven years. This man knows how to set goals and achieve them. And in a big way, in 2017, he was awarded Best in Show on Twitter, which is an award from WeGo Health. He focuses on knowledge, research, and positivity. Let's chat it up with Randy. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for the invite. How were you diagnosed with MS? What was that process like for you? So for me, well, like you said, it was back in 2012, so coming up on 10 years now, which is crazy to think, you know, how like time flies. We're only a few months away from that, but... So I woke up, it was July 1st. I remember that it was uh, July 1st of 2012. And I had numbness, like kind of in my tailbone area was like, you know, you wake up, you're like, that's kind of weird, you know, and throughout the day, it spread quickly to pretty much everywhere from like the chest, like I didn't have any weakness, I didn't have like, not even really tingling or anything. It was just more like sensation. Like I could I could feel like something was touching me, it just didn't feel right. If that makes any, if that makes any sense, you, you know, people with MS seem to understand that. So of course I call the the doctor, the on-call doctor and they're like, yeah, go to the ER. So I went in and even prior to the semester right now, those still takes hours when you're in there and they did, they did labs, they did pretty much every test they could think of. And they said, well, everything came back fine. Maybe you just slept wrong or did something. So they said, if anything gets worse, come back. So Went home, came or woke up the next day, went to get out of bed. And then every step I took, I would just get this tingling up my legs. Like I would step with my right foot, it would tingle, step with my left foot, it would tingle. So I'm like, all right, here we go again. So I went back and they did more tests, more lab work. They did MRIs of the spine, all that again, still said everything was fine. So they assigned me to a, a neurologist who I saw the next day and I would go into his office and he literally looked me right in the eyes and he's like, you're making it up. Like, he's like, there's nothing wrong with you. It has to be anxiety or whatnot. And I'm like, you know, you just think like, why would I make that up? Right? Like, what's the, what would be the whole purpose of making that up? I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I don't know. It still blows my mind. Like, just when I think about that, but fast forward just a few days after that, I started getting tingling in my fingertips then. Like my, it was the last three fingers on both of my hands. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden I call him and he's like, oh, well, that's your neck. And I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> so he did an, he did an MRI of the C-spine found a lesion in my spinal cord at C2 and then MRI the brain, saw another lesion. So all of a sudden it goes from you're making it up to now it's, oh, hey, it's a mess. And I'm like, what? I've heard of MS. And this is funny. It's, I, I come across this more and more now. Like a lot of people know what MS is or they've heard of MS, sorry, but they don't quite know what it is. Like a lot of times they think like muscular dystrophy or like they think of like these other conditions that, you know, or I guess are more well known out there. So I was in the same boat. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And then kind of a little sidetrack. This is not my neurologist anymore, thankfully, because it was, but I wouldn't recommend this person to anybody, but he would pretty much interrupt me. Like every question I had, he would interrupt me or, you know, of course I go to Google, you know, Dr. Google, and that's scary, right? The internet is such a scary place, like a double-edged sword. And, you know, I'm researching, like, is it Lyme disease? Could it be this? Could it be that? And literally I would be like mid-question, he'd be like, no, no. And he would, he would take pamphlets of... Um, treatments and at the time it was pretty much the the injectables right like the the capaxone the avanex and he literally threw like pamphlets of paper in front of me and he's like here pick one he said any one of these will guarantee you never have an issue ever again which i think we all know who take treatments that how far from the truth that is right but anyway long story short a couple months later i got in with an ms specialist i, I still see to this day who's awesome did more mris and more tests and was able to actually sit and talk with me and explain why it's this, that's kind of how it was diagnosed. So for me, it was, 
I guess about four months from initial symptoms to diagnosis, which is pretty good because you hear stories where people go many, many years just trying to get answers and doctors are blowing them off and things like that. But so that's kind of my diagnostic story. <laughs> well, it's interesting because your symptoms, your initial symptoms were very, very similar to mine. And so a lot of what you were saying was really resonating with me, even down to the three fingers on each hand. What are your lingering symptoms right now? So I still get some of the the tingling and, and spots. Not necessarily my fingers though. Like sometimes my hands will tingle a little bit or, or that sensation feeling sometimes will come back to where it's just almost like loss of sensation, I guess I should say. I get that a lot. I've noticed, I mean, obviously fatigue, things like that. But some of those initial symptoms I had, like the tingling when I walk, that kind of went away, which is good. I did go through the, the Laramie's. I had that for like a month or so. That was just really, it was a, such a weird sensation. But that kind of fizzled away, which I still get it sometimes. I've noticed if I, it's going to sound really weird, but vibration, like say if I'm out riding my lawn tractor, like cutting my grass and then like for like the next half hour after I get off that, I just feel like I'm buzzing like all over. <laughs> no. It's like the weirdest thing. But but thankfully a lot of the the initial, like the, the, the tingling and things like that kind of faded away over time. But every now and then, you, of course, you get that day where it's kind of like, uh-oh, here we go again. Yeah, there's going to be something today. Now, I had a similar situation too with the medication and the doctor just kind of stared at me. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> I don't know what this is. Like, you're supposed to tell me. So what did you end up choosing and what's been that path since then? So I kept kind of pushing it off, right? Because like the way he threw the packets in front of me, it's like he wanted to pick one. He wanted me to pick one like right then and there. And I'm like, doc, I was like, this is the first time I've ever been to the doctor where they're not like, oh, hey, it's this. Just take this antibiotic, you know, for 10 days. You'll be yeah. better. You know, in this case, you know, so then I go home and I research and you see all these things. You know, and then I find out, oh, well, now there's a, a pill on the market, uh, which was Jelenia. It was the first oral medication. And I go in and he's like, no, it's too new. I don't know anything about it. Like, it, again, like you try to ask him questions, he would just cut you off, cut you off, cut you off. So finally, I... I just picked one because that's all he would talk about then. Like every time I would go in, like he just didn't want to answer questions. He's like, no, pick a med, pick a med, pick a med. I'm like, this is really, really weird for me. So I actually went through, I'm trying to think what I did. I told him Abinex or something because, you know, you research like the flu-like symptoms and like all this stuff. But in the meantime, I was making or waiting for my appointment with the other specialist. So I ended up choosing Jelenia, I guess, long story short. I talked to my MS specialist at the time, Jelenia. He's like, yeah, it's new in the market, he said, but it's been in trials for like seven years at least at minimum. He's like, so we have data behind it. Um, I did test uh, JC negative, so Tysabri would have been a good choice. And actually, my MS specialist was not pushing me, but he did say I'd be a good fit for that. And then at the time, you know, like the PML risk scared me. But I always think about it all the time. If I knew then what I know now, I actually probably would have chosen Tysabri because I know so many people that have great success. But Jelenia has been great. My MRIs have been stable ever since, wow. which is good. So it's working for me. Thankfully, praise the Lord, but I know others haven't had that same experience. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that for you, though, and that you haven't been on a plethora of different meds, trying this and that and right. having relapses. So that's a kind of a nice perk for you. But I got to like, I don't have a lot of symptoms all the time, right? I'm not disabled at this point. I'm okay. But that lingering thought in the back of my mind that any second, at any moment, something yep. could happen, is that something that that weighs on you at all? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I would say it's a daily basis, but it definitely is frequent. Mm -hmm. Because that fear of the unknown, it's such a, a scary place. And then, I mean, if you let it, you can really kind of go down that rabbit trail, right? And really start 
you know, getting a lot of anxiety and things like that. But yeah, absolutely. I think about it all the time. You know, I think about, you know, what if I wake up tomorrow and, you know, I'm having optic neuritis or something like I, you know, I can't see clearly or, you know, what if I wake up tomorrow and I'm having trouble walking? The more I focus on that, then I think about, well, what am I going to do about work or what am I going to do? You know, like, you know, how am I going to do things around the house or so it's, it's easy to get caught up in that. But I try so much to live in the moment. Right. If that makes any sense or just, you know, kind of take it one day at a time. Yeah. But the fear of fear of the unknown is definitely a very real thing. And I think that for you, though, I mean, you're so knowledgeable. You talk to so many people. You're so involved in the community that I would think that that would kind of set your mind at ease a little bit in that way. Will you tell us like how you got involved in chat MS and how it's enhanced your life? I remember, like I said, I went to Dr. Google, or, yeah. you know, you go to Google and look up all these things. And if you're looking up anything on the internet, you can find it, right? You know, whether it's, it's kind of crazy how that works. Like I could go and say, Hey, is coffee healthy for me? And I'll see all these articles of like how healthy coffee is. Right. And then I could literally say, Hey, does coffee cause cancer? And then you see all these articles about how, right. So anything you're looking for on the internet, you could find it. Right. And I remember just looking up different things and you're like, oh, well, the mortality rate is this or it's like or, you know, so many people after whatever X amount of years can't walk, you know, and and you're like, oh, no, like, how am I going to get take care of my son? Am I going to be able to keep working? Am I going to be in a wheelchair? Like all these questions come flooding through your head. And I remember I found, I guess, a couple of forums. I think it was MS forums. And there was another one that I found to where actually you start seeing other people with MS, you know, talking about it. And then you start to realize, oh, wait, this is manageable. You know, it's not the end of the world. It's not a death sentence. It's not. And I remember that helped me much more than anything else. That helped me, you know, accept a diagnosis, helped me, like you just said, have like a a more positive light as to what's going on. And I remember I then wanted to do my part in that. And that's kind of when Must Stop MS was created, which started on Facebook as a Facebook page. And the name actually came from, there was a Walk MS event shortly after I was diagnosed. And I'm like, well, I need to think of a team name. So I'm thinking like the letters MS, like what can I use that as like an acronym for? And I'm like, oh, must, must stop. So that's kind of how that, that started. So that was my Walk MS team name at the year. So that's kind of how the, the name came about. So I started on Facebook and I wanted to make sure that any, any news I shared or any articles was factual, first of all, and then provide support, like, you know, provide just information out there where people who in my position, maybe they're newly diagnosed, maybe they're just looking for answers can come to for support or maybe some encouragement or, or things like that. So that was Facebook at the time. And then I got involved with Twitter, which was completely foreign to me back then. It was like so confusing with all these hashtags and like the little at symbols here. The I'm still learning that, Randy. <laughs> it's funny because even now to this day, like I'll see a post that has like tons of like people tagged in it. And I'm like, what is going on right now? <laughs> like you kind of have to like decipher line by line. Yes. But Twitter actually, it, it's interesting because I've now expanded into just different platforms, whether it's Instagram and Twitter, actually more recently TikTok, but it's something I started getting into and you find that there's different people in each platform. So it's really cool just to, to expand that way. And, you know, because again, you, you just build your community, right? You make those connections. And I remember seeing, I guess it was some hashtags about like Twitter chats and things like that. And I'm like, well, that'd be kind of cool. So we started chat MS and, you know, a little slow at first, we had some people chatting and we decided, you know what, every week we're going to have a topic and invite people to share their experiences. And obviously, of course, we'll put disclaimers out there. Look, we're not medical professionals. If we're talking about like supplements or things like that, you know, we make it very clear, don't change anything, you know, without talking to your medical team. So we make that very clear, but we've noticed that it, it's grown, right? And people will look forward to it, 
you know, every Monday, which is really cool. And I, one of the things I found is that even though a lot of times I'm asking the questions or coming up with the topic, even though we love to have guest, guest hosts, I'm getting so much back out of it because again, we're seeing each other's experiences and it's amazing. Like, even though I'm maybe asking the questions or things like that, but it's amazing how much I'm getting back too. And then expanding that into the, the other platforms and actually TikTok, like I said, is the newest one. So we've been experimenting with some live videos and things like that, which is a little out of my comfort zone, but we're, we're getting there. You do pretty well. So yeah, it's, it's getting better. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But you've done it for so long because this is the thing, right? Even with podcasting, the first thing they say is be consistent. And if you don't have like your core value is perseverance. So I can see that that's right up your alley, like how consistency also plays a role in that. So it's, it's just interesting that you've been able to do it for such a long period of time. So what are you personally getting out of it? The obvious would be connections, right? Or, or friends. And it's amazing, like how many people that, you know, you consider good friends that you've never even met in person yet. And I'm sure you've, you've in the same boat, most likely, but you get that, you get those connections, you get those personal relationships in a way. And, and of course you get tips and advice, you know, from people who may be going through things that you are like, I've done topics one time where, or several times, but one example would be, I was having like itching real bad for like a few weeks. I don't know if you've ever been in that boat, but it's, it's a nightmare. But it would always hit me at bedtime. Like I would go to lay down for bed and then I could never fall asleep because then I end up itching everywhere. So I, I see what helps others. Like, yeah, this is great. You get a lot of out of it. And I think one of the biggest things I've gotten is just how amazing of a community the, the MS community is. And I think that's one of the things that sticks with me. And there's been weeks where I haven't been able to chat. And actually, you know, sometimes I'm just busy or I got stuff going on with work or things like that. And I feel bad for having to to cancel it, but it's like, it's, it's become part of me, I guess. Like you just look forward to it every week. I have an alarm set on my phone for it for seven, seven o'clock on Monday nights. And then when, when I first started doing it one night, like there was nothing on what's happening. Uh, I know this, am I wrong? Is this not when this is happening? And um, so I messaged you, I believe. And you're like, Oh no, you must've missed my communication. It's going to be tomorrow at noon. And I really, (laughs) I really liked that because you had like a contingency plan. Okay. We're not just going to stop this. I'm going to try and make it up. Yeah. And I try to do that as much as I can. Yeah, Yeah. A lot of people look forward to it and it's our way of just getting involved in chatting with one another, especially because people don't go to Twitter to find other MS people like I do. But when they do and they stumble upon that, it's part of their their social media practice, I guess. I don't know what, how else to call yeah, that. Like, And it's it's, it's funny because sometimes too, like I'll ask, I'm like, hey, what's well, been the best part of your day? And a couple of people might even be like, hey, it's this. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, it, it's amazing how much of an impact it's had on other people too. And obviously that's not why I'm doing it. I'm not trying to build myself up or, you know, anything like that at all. I'm, I'm not about that, but but it is amazing because one of the things I wanted to do is bring the community together. And when I see that, it's like, yeah, this is actually, it's happening, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is which is really cool. Yeah, you've created definitely a pretty strong community. And I know that one of the things that brings you joy is seeing others thrive despite the challenges that are in front of them. And going back to that goal setting piece, I know that you have some endeavors going on outside of the social media and actual in real life <laughs> with this bike program that you're doing. So talk to us about 
how that has encompassed this goal setting piece that that's important to you too. Yeah. One of the things I did right away shortly after being diagnosed was get involved with Walk and Mass, like I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier. And when you, when you go to these events, and I know you actually, you've, you participate in those as well, right? But you see other people there. And again, it's another great way to, to meet other people with MS or things like that, even at volunteering. So it, that's one of the things I tell a lot of people that have been newly diagnosed. One of my pieces of advice is get involved because you can see how many amazing people. And I know there's people that are hesitant because they don't know what they're going to see or, you know, kind of like if you ever hear people like, I don't really want to go to a support group because, you know, and, and I get, I get that. But so I got involved with, with Walk and Mass and you meet such amazing people and you see what they're doing despite their diagnosis, right? And you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, how do you not come out of this so motivated? And then the very first Walk and Mass I did, I, I met a group of people and they invited me out to volunteer with them at a bike event, the, the Bike and Mass event. And it's amazing. I think about this all the time, how like if it wasn't for MS, like I would never know this whole community existed. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's amazing. It's one of those positive things, right? About about the diagnosis is it just opened your eyes to a whole community of amazing people that I never would have knew was even out there. So I go to this, I go to a bike event, a bike event, and we volunteered and as at one of the rest stops. So we're, you know, making sandwiches, peanut butter, jelly sandwiches, oranges, we're giving, making sure everybody has water and Gatorade and all that stuff. And I remember looking at my wife and I'm like, I want to get a bike. And I know they're expensive. Like and you look at some of these bikes and they're like crazy expensive, but I remember telling her, like, I'm going to get a bike. And then we would go back and volunteer again. And I'm like, said the same thing. And I'm like, I want to get a bike. Like, I want to do this. And I haven't ridden the bike since I've been real little. It's been actually probably 30 years. And then the opportunity came up one time and there's a, a company, it's a nonprofit organization out of Dallas named Meat Fight. And I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but I'm going to try to give them a little plug if that's okay with you. I have actually heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty awesome. Tell us more. So Meat Fight, it's a nonprofit out of Dallas, and they raise money for the, the MS Society. And they do things with like like barbecue competitions and just like different, it's, it's almost like a big party atmosphere, right? And what they do is they give money to the MS Society, but they also raise money to gift bikes to people with MS for the sole purpose of competing in these bike MS events. So I, I got one of them that reached out to them and they replied right away. And so that's how I ended up getting my bike, which is really cool. And they gave me everything to, to get started, a bike, a helmet, I had water bottles, every, everything you needed to get started in this event. And, and even beyond that, the support, right? They helped you with training. They followed up with you. They're making sure you're registered for events. They stay with you. And, and even to this day, such a group of amazing people. So like it, it pretty much changed my life because that's how I got my bike to do this event is all through this company, Meat Fight. And they're, they're so awesome. And even now, like they follow up and, you know, I'm honored actually to even be a team captain of the meat fight team for Chesapeake. So it pretty much every bike at mass across the country has a meat fight team now, which is really cool. So their name's even getting out there. And uh, it's, it's funny too, cause we'll be riding and people will be like, what's meat fight. Is that like a, like a vegan type <laughs> thing, you know? And we're like, <laughs> and we're like, well, we're like, Take what you're thinking, and it's like the a thousand percent extreme opposite <laughs> direction. You know, they're about like eating all the meat. But, so that so after volunteering, Meat Fight enabled me to ride. So I was able to get on my bike and, and train and things like that. And then just seeing that part of those events, just again how supportive everybody is, and just seeing just the people that ride and how supportive they are with the fundraising and 
again, it's, it's like echoing myself here, but the, the MS community, not even just people with MS, but those that go out there and do all these events and fundraise. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So tell us how, like, okay, so you, you're biking now. This is a thing. So what does that look like for me, for you? I mean, you started from scratch and now, I mean, you're doing miles and miles. So I'm sure that had to be some buildup over time. How did you work to reach your goals there? Yeah. Build up over time is 100% true. So I would go and I'd get my bike and I'd be like, all right, I'm just going to go ride around the neighborhood. I'm going to go to the park and ride around and I'm like, oh, man, my legs really hurt. Like, this is crazy. And thankfully my balance has been okay. So I've been able to, to do that. And then I'm like, well, if I'm going to do these events, I've got to go at least somewhat long distances. And some of these events do like a 30 mile route. So I signed up for one in Pennsylvania and so that was my goal was just to do my, get my first ride under my belt, do like 30 miles or so. And I remember like just, you know, training and I'd go, all right, I'm going to do 10 miles this time or 15 miles this time. Just, you know, kind of setting those goals, right? Like I didn't want to set extreme goals, but just setting little goals that I knew I could work work towards. And then once I hit it, I would just kind of extend it out a little bit. So I ended up doing that, that 30 mile thing for my first ride. So I did that. And then I remember doing my first longer ride and it was about 68 miles. Well, one, your butt hurts. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you can, I don't know anyone in training you could do that fixes that. But I remember after that, that 68 mile ride, like my muscles were so sore. Like I could literally barely walk that night. And part of that is lack of training. Cause I didn't know what to expect. If that makes any sense. Like I knew it was long distances. And then I remember sounding like a lot of people that cycle have these, these shoes that clip into the pedals so that you're, you're basically attached to the bike at that point. So then you get almost power. Like when you're pulling your leg back as well rather than just pushing forward. And I'm like, I'm never going to do that because I'm going to end up falling and hurting myself. And sure enough, I have a pair of those now and it hasn't happened yet, but it's been close. But yeah, it's definitely building over time. And this year I've definitely slacked on the training. I've just been super busy. We got a new house, getting stuff together with that and then just work and things at church and just all this stuff to where it's kind of taken away from my training a little bit. But my goal is still to do the the 100 miles is what I'm aiming for is a century ride. So it's a lot of time on the bike, but that's, that's my goal. Uh, I just need to kind of ride more over these next couple of weeks before, before the event happens. But I've definitely slacked a little bit and you notice it for sure. Like if you're not constantly doing it, like you, you definitely notice the, the muscle fatigue and the, just the soreness and, and things like that. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm not quite the bike rider. In fact, I was having a conversation with someone on, on socials about, he was showing me that he, this stationary bike that he rides. And I'm like, yeah, I don't do that. My butt hurts when I ride the bike. And he had some right. special seat that he uses so that that won't happen. Do you have any accommodations on your bike other than the pedals? No, no. I, I've had some people tell me about seats with like gel and, you know, like gel padding and things like yeah. that, but I'm still kind of just pushing through it. <laughs> but to your point about stationary bikes, I can't do those either. Oh. I can ride outside, but I, I cannot stand not going anywhere. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's kind of boring to me, but some people have those Pelotons that's not in my budget. Yep. But yeah, that, that works too. I have my friend, Melissa, she definitely loves the bike. She does bike MS. She does walk MS with me, but bike MS is really her big thing that she fundraises through and things like that. And so I'm just curious though, the 10 miles on the bike, like it takes me, well, I walk with Lily, right? So she's, she stops every couple of minutes to smell everything, sure. right? So it takes a little longer. If I walk by myself the mile, it's probably 17 minutes to do the 1.2. 
Sure. So what is 10 miles on the bike look like time-wise? So it'll vary, obviously, from person to person. But so a good average, well, at least starting out, I would say I was probably averaging about 12 miles an hour. Okay. Give or take, depending on the surface. If there's hills, obviously, it's going to be less than uh-huh. that. But I would say the last big ride that I did, which is actually, I could I can look real quick. I did a 70 miles a few weeks ago okay. out on the trail. And I want to say I averaged is either just under 13, I believe, just under 13 miles an hour for that. Okay. And I know there's people out there that average close to 20, which I'm nowhere even nowhere near even close to. So, yeah. I mean, for, so if I do this 100 mile ride, I'm probably looking at at least eight hours on the bike. I think that there's a there's a time commitment there when you're training for an event like that or running or whatever it is. Oh, absolutely. But it's very commendable that you have worked yourself up to get to this point where you can do that. I guess it's a little more training the next few weeks to get ready and everything, <laughs> but you also fundraise. Yeah. What does that look like? I do. And and that's one of the things I've been, I, I guess I'm going to use the word fortunate and being able to host some of the fundraisers I do. And it's this year, actually, I've, I've kind of raised more than I've ever had, which is amazing. I passed the 10,000 mark. Um, for this event, which has never been anywhere close to that. But I usually host, like I put links out on Facebook and, and things like that. And I host two big events a year or three, I guess, three big events a year. One of them is a bingo. So I host a fundraising bingo that does really well every year, which is kind of cool. And then a friend of mine owns a restaurant every year. We usually do it in March. This year was April, but we usually do it in March because it's MS Awareness Month. And then, so he, we, we market it up, right? So we go, we have raffles and silent auctions and things like that. But then he gives me like a dollar for every sandwich they sell and then like $2 for every entree or dinner. So it's it's not a typical, like you get certain percentage off. So so I've been fortunate enough in those cases to do two big events. There's two big events. I've done softball tournaments recently. I do things around like the Super Bowl, things like that. And I know different things work for different people, but, and it's really cool because I'll try to take advantage of those events and spread awareness too while I'm there. Yeah. So for example, at the restaurant, a lot of, or sometimes I'll get Reese cups because they're orange, right? Yeah. And, so I'll get Reese cups and then I'll put like a, like a label on the bottom of the Reese cup with like a little MS fact on it. Right. So, Hey, if you want to get into the Reese cup, you're going to read this little, you're going to read this fact. So I try to spread awareness as much as I can too, in regards to, to fundraising and, and things like that. I like that idea too. And it's really smart to do it around different events because people are going to be gathering during those times anyway. And it's nice to have resources like friends to call on, you know, like the restaurant owner and things to support yeah. you. And you have this great community around you. So I know that, you know, you're going to be successful, whatever you do, as you persevere through all of those, those goals you have set for yourself. So I really want to know too, in, in season three, now you are the second episode of season three. We're talking a little bit about gratitude, how that plays a role in just keeping a positive perspective on, on things. So in what ways do you practice gratitude in your life? It, it sucks, right? Having a mess. First of all, it, it sucks, right? But if you focus on that, like that's all you're going to think about, right? Like if, if that makes any sense. And I'm, I'm big on positivity, right? So I try to take time just to think about, hey, like I know there's days where I feel weird and things like that, but hey, I know there's things that I can still do, right? Like such as biking or such as that. So I, I try to be thankful at least every day for what I can still do. Or I try to be thankful, like I said, when I'm doing these these chats or just interacting with the community, it's like, you know what, like 
thankful for the community itself. But there's so many positive, well, let me take this back. <laughs> I, don't, I wasn't going to say there's so many positives to having MS, but there are positives to having MS. And I know for, for some people, it's, it's hard to find those. But I do think positivity is a huge asset, I think, to, to dealing with this. And I think when you're, when you could be positive and have that more positive mindset, it's, it's easier to be thankful, if that makes sense, right? It's easier to, to have that gratitude. Yeah, yeah agreed. Agreed. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But it's none of this is easy. And I think that's a key piece Correct. that you said, right? None of this is easy. Nobody's saying, oh yeah, I do this all the time. And I never flounder. I never have a bad day. That, that just is unrealistic. And I think when people say that it's baloney. So one of the sayings that I used to see all the time when diagnosed, and we still see it today, is I have MS, MS will never have me. I don't know if you've, if you've, if you've heard that. And so I used to use that all the time. So I love that mindset, right? I know what they're going for. But I found out that there's a lot of people that don't like that. Because the reality is there are days where, yeah, you know, MS will have us, like physically or whatnot. But I under I still like the saying personally, but like, just because I know what it's going for, right? Like, I'm going to push through this. I'm going to keep going. It's never going to hold me back. But yeah, there are, in fact, days that things come up and it's like, man, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you listened to the episode with Dave Walsh sitting Bull UK. So he calls me and you able-bodied people because we're not in a wheelchair. We don't use mobility devices. Okay. Sure. So when an able-bodied person says, I have MS, but MS doesn't have me. I can see how some people, or, mm-hmm. you know, because it's imaginary disease, apparently, uh, you know, it's we, we imagine it as your doctor said you yeah, had, yeah, right? We're making it up, Yes, right? yes, yes. But, you know, you, we can't see it on us. Then I can understand how some people would react to that. Um, those people that are in our community, they're reacting that way. That's hard to handle too for us able-bodied people because everyone should recognize, like I always have issues going on, right? I all, Even if it's yeah. just the thought, like we were talking about in the beginning, the fear of what might happen, I'm not going to allow those thoughts to enter my mind. But when someone like Dave who is in a wheelchair and, you know, he's competing for the strongest disabled man in the world. Right. And if he were to say, I have MS, but MS does not have me. I think that there's a little bit different of a connotation there when people see him visually. But I think as a community, it's important for us to recognize we all have MS. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Being there to lift each other up. Yes. Right. And I know as as you were saying that one of the things I think of and, you know, there's been times where MS has been portrayed like in TV shows or movies or or things like that. And or even commercials. Commercials is another example. I know we've been seeing you see commercials for MS treatments from time to time. And, you know, if you think about it, like, how do you accurately portray MS? You can't, you know, if you think about it, because it is so different for everybody. And I remember two examples I'll give if you don't mind. I remember when Jack Osborne was on Dancing with the Stars. You had half of the community was like, hey, this is great. We're getting MS in the spotlight. This is awesome. And then the other half is like, oh, great. Now my family's going to think I can go out there and dance like he is. Or, you know, now I have people saying, oh, well, he can do it. Why can't you? And I see both sides of it. You know, it, it makes sense on both sides of the coin. So it's like, well, how do you actively portray? Like you just said, it's invisible, first of all. So you can't necessarily see what's going on. But it's like, how do you how do you actually 
portray that to where it encompasses everybody. And I don't really think he can. Another example was, was it Ty Sabri? There was a, a TV commercial. And I can't remember if it, no, Tech Federa. That's what it was. It was a commercial for Tech Federa. And there was a woman in the commercial, like running around to carnivals and diving and swimming. And you see medication ads everywhere. You know, they're having the time of their lives, even though no matter what the medication is. But, and there was a lot of complaints about that commercial. And, you know, again, you see both sides of it. So there, there's no real way to completely portray MS, whether it's saying I have MS, MS will never have me, which I understand what they're going for. But to your point, you can't really like not everybody can say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's really hard to encompass what MS actually is. Right. That gets the whole umbrella. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when it's interesting, I don't know what my mindset would be if I was in that situation or in pain constantly. I would hope that it would still be this this positive outlook. But I, I don't know. Right. I can't anticipate that. What I can do right now is be as positive as possible and enjoy the luxury of what I have and be grateful for it that yeah, I'm not in that place and hopefully will never be. But with perseverance being key, saying that it's not the end of the world, MS is not the end of the world. Get involved with this community, please. Building your strength and your desire to do things so that you can reach those goals. There are positives in having MS and what was it again? I have MS, but MS does not have me. Randy, thank you so much for being here with me today. Please tell people where they can find you and so they can reach out. Yeah, so um, pretty much all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok is all at Must Stop MS. And then if you're interested in the chat on Twitter, it's you just search for the hashtag chat MS. And then but on Facebook, there is a private group because some people, you know, aren't comfortable uh, publicly sharing what's going on. So it's a private group named hashtag chat MS on Facebook as well. Wonderful. Thank you so, so much. And if you want to learn more about your core values or gratitude or to connect with Randy, please go to the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. You can get all those links and information there. Everybody, I hope you're having a great day today, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this and keep thriving. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Keep thriving. Thriving.